The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Welcome to the 75th episode of Social Suplexes Podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Somewhat. I'm the host of this lovely show. Joining with me, as always, is Floyd Johnson Jr., my good partner in crime. And then joining us once again, we have the ace of podcasts from Keeping It Strong Style, the young boy, Josh Smith. Josh, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing uh, pretty good. Thanks for the uh, very lively introduction. I <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Oh yeah, no, we gotta we gotta, it's your second time on, so now we gotta make sure we can't lose you again. So, so we got you the first time because you were like doing us a favor, and now we gotta make sure we can consistently get you back on. So, so you're saying that I, I now need to be a part of this show, and Jeremy needs to look for another co-host. Is yeah. that my understanding? <laughs> No, no, no. I'm just saying we enjoyed having you on so much that we want to have you on more. Well, Josh is, you know, uh, we always call Jeremy the godfather of Social Suplex. Josh is actually the godfather of all things elite because he is the, the idea of the show came from him. So this being our 75th episode, a monumental episode, I thought it was only right to have the young boy on to talk about all things elite. Nice. The, the the young boy who's a godfather. Exactly. You can be yeah. both. Hey man, I didn't I didn't pick your nickname. <laughs> you maybe should update your nickname. It's like it's like when you go see boys to men, it's like you should just be men now. It's like there's nothing boyish about you. <laughs> yeah, I have like you got like three hairs on your head between all of you and they're gray, so you shouldn't be boys. So, you know, whatever. But change your name. Change your name. I'll call you whatever you tell me to call you. If you if you wanted me to call you uh, the amazing Joshua Smith, I would do that. You just tell me what to call you, sir. <laughs> well, we'll figure that out down the line. <laughs> yeah. But once again, we want to thank you guys so much for tuning in right now. And we're going to be talking AEW Dynamite for this week. First AEW uh, Dynamite of September of 2020. And then, of course, this weekend, we have All Out. That will be taking place on Saturday, September 5th. We will be giving the preview and, I assume, predictions as well for the pay-per-view. But before we get into the episode all together, I want to make sure you are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. Please leave a rating and a review if you're so inclined to. You can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. Please support us by following us on social media at AT Elite Pod is our podcast Twitter. 
So follow our boy Social Suplex at Social Suplex. Follow myself at SZoomer4. Follow Floyd at Floyd Johnson Jr. And you can follow Josh's podcast, Keeping It Strong Style, at KI Strong Style on Twitter. Now, the big news, obviously, for this week is this Saturday being the All Out pay per view, which will also have fans in attendance. They are continuing to do the 15% capacity for the Daily's Place. I'm pretty sure until either they can't do it anymore and like the FCC like kind of cuts them off on it or until they can actually start touring again with show, with fans in full attendance. So Saturday with all out coming up, we got a lot of matches that we can look forward to. And I feel like we'll just get into those matches more so as we get uh, towards that preview uh, for that, for the pay-per-view itself. Yeah, that sounds. Yeah, that, that's gonna be awesome. Looking forward to it. We're gonna. I, I'm looking forward to hearing all of Josh's thoughts because. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we sometimes I, differ, you know, and it's awesome. I I'm just I honestly uh, it's kind of weird. Like I'm excited to be here. I feel like uh, this past week's show was. Uh, you know, I heard a lot of negative takes about it from uh, other sources and pundits, but I personally really just enjoyed it i thought it was a good show maybe i'm not being as critical as i normally am and um i'm excited for all out so i mean yeah i'm excited to uh discuss everything that's that we got on the docket yeah josh coming with the proclivity for positivity i dig it (laughs) we'll see how long that lasts but now let's get into AEW dynamite for this week on september 2nd we're recording this a day after the show aired, so just to give you an idea of when we're talking about this. This was also, and I was so happy to see and hear him on the show, this was re- re- the return of Excalibur to the commentary team for tonight's episode of Dynamite. And you can notice the difference instantaneously when he's on. All the calls... Even leading into the preview for the opening match between Best Friends and Santana and Ortiz, they showed the video package beforehand showcasing all of Santana and Ortiz's things they've been doing to torment Best Friends and including destroying um, Trent's uh, Trent's mom's van and all that stuff. You can instantly tell Excalibur is just like, he's back in his element and the team just seems to flow way way better with him on the commentary team and i'm just very glad to see him back i i immediately i told you i don't pay attention to announcing commentating a lot uh i immediately noticed the difference i actually put it in our thread that it was like one match in it was like oh this is better there is he is so much better at giving color and depth to the story than pretty much anybody they have right now so he's kind of in his element i missed him so much yeah, um, definitely a welcome addition as far as, uh, you know, what Excalibur brings to the table. There's definitely a different vibe and energy. Um, I'm kind of like you, Floyd. I don't really necessarily usually pay attention to commentating unless someone's either really bad or really good. And uh, I generally think that the commentating in um, AEW is pretty good, but uh, it's definitely better with um, Excalibur. One thing, though... <laughs> And uh, Austin said he, you know, we'd wait and see how long it'd take me for to get into the negativity. Um, (laughs) One thing I will say, and I I won't point anybody in any kind of direction, but I got to wonder 
what happened on the in-between time from the time that he was not on the air to suddenly bringing him back. Obviously, we know it has a lot to do with the uh, sort of controversial uh, you know, racial remarks that kind of surfaced from back in the day. Um, the one thing I will say about this, me being an old head and kind of like having more exposure to old PWG than maybe your average viewing fan, there's a lot more skeletons in Excalibur's closet that have never really been dug up. Um, it's honestly very hard to find, but, um, people that are kind of, the know, they know this. I got to wonder as a company if they're like prepared for that or not, you know? Um, because this wasn't a one-time thing. Like there are a lot of things that are out there from his on-air persona with the company from back in the day. It's and, and it's so weird that wrestling is held to this higher standard. If someone was on the SVU playing a rapist, they're not going to, uh, they're not going to, uh, he goes to 24 and he's trying to play a cop. They're going to be like, you know what? We can't have you on the show because you used to play a rapist character. I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Excalibur played some shitty characters and he said some shitty things in character. Uh, let's move on. That's how I feel. Well, the one thing I will say, you know, I don't really have a dog in the race one way or the other. Uh, you know, I've never really dug my feet in the sand in on this topic, but, the, uh, you know, I don't want to spend too much time here. I think the, the one thing where people kind of um, defer from that is that it isn't strictly acting if the things you're doing are like, say, ad-libbing and no one's telling you or forcing you to do them. It's more closer to like, I don't know, method acting or maybe even like stand up as opposed to like acting like from a script. You know what I mean? Um, And keep in mind, Excalibur was the booker, the writer, the owner, one of the many owners of the company. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, but yeah, the one thing I'm going to say, and this isn't even really to bury him. The one thing I'm saying is for the company, there's a lot of stuff out there. A lot. I, I, um, it's I, not I, just this one. I just sincerely hope that they just, like I said, I just wish people would treat them more like the performers. If you're at living and you think your character would say this, okay, your character said that. It's over at the end of the performance. That's that's how I feel. But that's me Possibly. digging in. It's different I see, from them actually uh, meaning the words behind uh, their Yeah, actions. yeah. And I don't, like I said, this comes from me, as some of you may know, an African American person. I ain't got no problem with it. Me and him, me and him, as far as in character, I don't have, didn't have a problem with Leonardo DiCaprio saying it and Django Unchained. I didn't have a problem with Quentin Tarantino writing it for Django Unchained and all the many movies where he uses the N word. So I definitely don't have a problem with Excalibur doing it. The, the one thing is, clearly you don't, um, and, I, and I'm not even saying I do, but there's a large audience and fan base and advertisers and things of that nature that do. So the one thing I'm just wondering is long term, has the company like addressed this? Like, are they like hoping that they're that this just kind of forgotten? They're moving on, or are they prepared in the event that hypothetically some online troll? goes and drudges up everything that he's done in the past. Because I'm telling you guys, when I say there's a lot, I mean literally there is a whole freaking lot from the early days of PWG. A lot, a lot. And I'm not just saying that. But no one has, like, you have to go out buy the DVDs or have, you know, access to it from one of the, like, torrent sites or something like that, kind of like someone like me, 
to kind of know what I'm talking about. But uh, I'm just wondering if they're ready for this to happen again down the road, because inevitably at some point it is going to happen again. And so that's the one thing I'm wondering about, but yeah, we can definitely move on. Yes. Uh, I, would, okay. I would just, I'll leave it at that and just say yeah. like, I think if they, if they weren't prepared for it, they wouldn't have hired him. I, I was going to say, so. cause I, I just hope Tony as a leader, as a boss takes a stand one way or another, just like say, Hey, we know this has happened. Uh, we know this has happened. We're going to keep moving on or say, Hey, now we know this is happening. We're gonna let them go. I don't care which one. I'm just kind of tired of, you know, what I mean. And see, they did, and they haven't really done either of that. I think that they tried to hopefully, like, just sort of avoid the entire thing, which is kind of what they did. And they're like, oh, see, uh, the show was not as good without him. So let's hold hold off. People will miss him. Bring him back. Triumphant. They never addressed it. So, for better or for worse, I do think at some point they might end up winding having to address it. And I'm just. I'm just saying you are you are correct. You are correct. At some point, this is going to come back up. Yeah. I mean, especially if AEW like I mean, they're good right now. But if they blow up, like if they're doing like two million a a week or something or something like that, and they become a lot more mainstream and you, you know, with more popularity, become some better trolls. There you go. Somebody might find that information. So I do hope I I hope they address it. Well, sort of like this, if you've got one like couple second clip and that's it then it can kind of easily be forgotten but if someone goes out there and compiles a <laughs> a montage video and it's several minutes long that would be a little harder to kind of ignore so yeah all yeah. all the times Excalibur dropped the n-word the mixtape <laughs> it's not even just that it's it's, it's a, a lot of yep it, it, I, I won't go into the details but it's not just that it's it's stuff <laughs> I, I, i've always said if like if me at 39 years old the, the stuff I said from about 2000 to 2005 would get me canceled and fired today. You know what I mean? Oh, I, <laughs> because, oh, absolutely. Because it was just stuff that we didn't even think about the you know repercussions of who it was hurting or anything. It was just common language. I'm not going to use any of that language today. But if you're asking early 20s Floyd I'm like oh yeah that's no big deal and it's like now I know that it hurts people and I would never use it now but it's like 20 years ago I can't rewind 20 years ago and not say it yeah and absolutely and that's a valid point it's something that's definitely worth having when you have that deeper conversation I'm not even here to have that the only thing I'm here to basically say is the company better watch out come up with the strategy a strategy or come up with some sort of a contingency contingency plan. Because when I say this one little thing that kept him off TV for four weeks was just the tip of the iceberg. PC claws is coming to town. That's what. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh-huh. Yeah. But either, but either way off of that little conversation, um, we opened up again with Santana and Ortiz versus best friends. Overall, with an opening matchup like this and with the good story that they had been building um, over the few weeks that they've had this feud going on, which has been very entertaining. They've also uh, they showed it on Dynamite, too, that they continued their feud through Dark, where they fought like outside the Daily's place and were throwing each other into like trucks and TV trucks and all that kind of stuff. So this is more continuation. I don't believe it's going to be the end of this feud because overall... Uh, Santana and Ortiz with some shenanigans grabbing uh, Trent uh, on the no grabbing Chuck on the uh, on the uh, on the outside of the April no my bad because there's a point where Santana nails Trent 
as Ortiz held him on by the ankle while he was on the apron. And then pretty much through a bunch of shenanigans, Santana and Ortiz were able to get the uh, get the victory on the yeah, match and yeah. finish it with a street sweeper. Yeah, the 100% clean victory for uh, Santana and Ortiz. <laughs> You're going to go uh, tell you this, aren't you? Uh, I'm just saying, you know, referee counted three in the middle of the ring, clean victory. I never I, saw the steel baton. I, I'm just what steel baton? I don't know. I, <laughs> I like like my boy Kevin Kelly. I think my screen glitched for a second there, and I missed something. I don't know. <laughs> All I saw was sweet sweep street sweeper one two three. All right. <laughs> well, yeah. So. As 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 Floyd said, clean as a whistle, if you want to think that way. Uh, Santana Ortiz get the victory over Best Friends after they pin Trent. Um, and again, I don't think this will be the end of the feud. I think they're going to try to keep this up a little bit longer. But overall, decent opener. I was more so like surprised that they actually didn't lead off with the next match that we'll be talking about. But it was a decent opener, not as good as their other ones, but I felt like it was relatively decent. Uh, I actually liked this match the best out of the ones that they've had. Uh, ah. the, the other matches that they've had might've been more technically, you know, sound, uh, as far as in ring work, but this one actually had stakes behind it just based cause it was built off of the animosity from the previous matches. So it had more heat. I even liked that the best friends jumped, uh, proud and powerful before they came out because that's, that's a tactic we've seen. Uh, LAX use multiple times in other feuds and matches, especially like with the Young Bucks. And I don't think we've seen too many other teams employ that sort of strategy against them. Um, it just kind of shows like, you know, what the, the best friends, they're, they're kind of like had it up to here, basically, uh, with them like, you know, attacking Trent's mom's van and then, you know, the bleach and everything that happened on Dark. Um, they definitely were taking some really, really crazy bumps. Um, especially the one that uh, Chuck Taylor took on all those chairs on the outside. That one was extremely vicious. Um, I don't even know if the juice is worth the squeeze. That's the one thing is like, it, it was, it, it, it was kind of good for the story because it left uh, Trent isolated, but I think you could have gotten away with telling that story without the guy, like literally risking paralysis, <laughs> maybe do that on a pay-per-view. I don't know. Uh, but um there was the one spot we forgot to mention where um, Trent hit uh, one. I don't know. If, I think it was Santana or maybe it was Ortiz. Um, hit them with the dude buster and got the one, two, three. The referee counted the one, two, three. Oh, yeah, that's right. And they were trying to set up the the um, spot where the, the other Patton Proudful member um, put the hand on the rope, but they didn't actually do it in time. And so, like, everyone kind of messed up. Like, they didn't get the hand up in time. The ref counted the three. Like, Trent won that match. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you saw. I saw his hand was <laughs> successfully Christ. on the ropes, and the count woke up. The referee did count three on accident, incorrectly, and the match had to continue. But I, how is it incorrect if his, if his shoulders were on the mat, Floyd? I mean, his hand was on the rope. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Because, you you know, by, as, as, as a person that is training to be a wrestler, you know you don't actually have to be on the rope. All your hand has to do is be under the rope. It doesn't have to physically be on it to stop the count. There you go. That, ma- that, that man's hand was on his chest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, hey. But- 
Just like an NBA player, we saw it two different ways. What did the ref say? You know what I mean? Nothing. <laughs> Last thing I'll say about the match, I, th- I thought it was pretty good. I liked the finish. The only thing is, I was actually a little surprised before I knew the um, pay-per-view card. This was something I could have possibly imagined even maybe seeing on the card, maybe on the undercard. I don't know, but uh, yeah, yeah. it looks like it's staying a dynamite-only feud, really. Yeah, yeah. I would have liked it to be. A, I would have liked to have a second buyout match because right now we only have one. I would have liked it to maybe be a second buyout match or buy-in, buy-in. I said yes, buyout, buy-in, yep. <laughs> buy-in. <laughs> yeah. But either way, um, I was more so um, very much involved and intrigued by the next matchup, which was the eight-man tag between Young Bucks and Jurassic Express versus Private Party and SCU. And honestly, I actually just realized I'm looking at the uh, AEW notes on their website. There's a typo. It says Private Party and Private Party. So (laughs) apparently Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian has joined Private Party. So... Zero out of ten, worst company in the world. Jesus Christ, get your shit together. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, yes. Uh, the winner of this matchup, the team that wins, would end up facing each other at All Out. So we would either get Young Bucks versus Jurassic Express or Private Party versus SCU. I liked how Young Bucks, after they completely dropped Hangman last week, don't even bother to do their pose as they come out and walk... Uh, down the ring and uh, go get into the ring as the money cannon shoot off and I like how they've kind of just pretty much now they're just fully just in their own way like in their own mind now and just kind of just like fuming at the whole hangman situation there was even a point where there was a uh, hangman hold my uh, drink my beer sign Matt Jackson grabbed the sign and ripped it up so there's a there's a lot of uh there's a lot of interesting moments in this matchup that I like story-wise. Overall, eight-man tag matches aren't normally my thing, but this one was still solid. I feel like just having the Young Bucks and uh, Jurassic Express and like all these great teams in it really made it work really well. There was a lot of great spots in it. Uh, so, uh, good amount to the point where I forgot a few of them. But either way, Young Bucks and Jurassic Express ended up getting the victory, and they will be facing each other at All Out on this Saturday. And it's like the the way that Young Bucks are acting, though, just I'm very intrigued to see how this continues. And just a lot of things that are happening with the Elite, too, because someone noticed on social media how Kenny Omega's name on the website, his nickname was changed from the best bout machine to the cleaner. And people Uh. very much know people very much know what that version of Kenny Omega is. So there's a lot of interesting things going on with the elite, which is probably why I just like I like the stuff that they're doing together and just like all the the different pieces that are going on, like Cody completely shut down by Brody Lee. Then you got Hangman like all by himself now fully kicked out of the elite and Young Bucks are just completely pissed off at the Hangman and they're just now completely in their own mind and in their own head. And then you got Kenny, who's slowly starting to lose it as well. And there's a lot of things that can come out of what's happening with the elite that I am all for. But overall, with this specific matchup, this eight-man tag, your guys' thoughts on this match. I got to tell you, Austin, you did a fantastic rundown. You hit on a lot of key points. I agreed with 99% of them, but you said one thing twice that is inaccurate. You said that Hangman got kicked out of the Elite. Hangman hasn't been in the Elite for like 
five or six. Okay, you know what? Oh, you know what? You know what? You got me there. You got yeah. me there. I just I just went with what the young bucks said and the statement that they made from last week. I'm not saying what they said was fully factual. I'm just don't shoot the messenger here, guys. <laughs> yeah, he quit the elite. Yeah, I'm like, how do you how how more clear do you have to be to look a man in the eye and say <laughs> I don't like you? <laughs> That's what Hangman did. The real cowboy, some cowboy shit. He looked Bro. the young bucks in the eye and told them, "I don't like you anymore. <laughs> I don't want to be in this group." <laughs> Bro, like literally, I remember watching a beat, and I don't even follow like being the elite that seriously. But like, I remember one episode at the end of it, like where he told them, he's like, "I love you guys." but I don't like you and I don't think we should be together anymore. And like at that point he had already, and I was like, why is he, why are they even doing this? Because he left them months ago and they like said it on TV many, many times. <laughs> am I, am I misremembering something like young bucks are sitting by the window with tears <laughs> in their eyes, waiting for hangman to come home or something. I don't know what's going on here. He, I feel like there was that- just a point. There was just a point where they had a boom box over their head and they were outside of hangman's house. Just being like hangman. Did you ever, uh, you guys ever seen Wayne's world? Oh, of course. Yes. When, when, when Wayne has that ex-girlfriend and she's like, you know, Wayne, if you're not careful, you're gonna lose me. He's like, I left, I lost you six months ago <laughs> when we broke up. <laughs> Dude, that's like the best analogy of that whole thing. That's the best. <laughs> oh man! But uh, as far as this match, um, you know, one thing that this company is getting really, really good at, and I think it's because a, you know, the Bucks came from Dragon Gate and. Also, you know, their multi matches in PWG, but uh, ultimately, the, I think the biggest influence is the booking style of, say, New Japan. And they don't borrow from it too prevalently, but they feature it once or twice, almost every Dynamite, where they'll have a six or eight or even a 10-man, even a 12-man tag. And it's a, it's a nice way to get multiple people on the show, multiple people performing, many people protected, but it boosts, you know ratings and stats and that sort of thing and um they've been doing a really good job of that and just kind of keeping those as like filler matches but they they still integrate stories through them so they're not just uh you know nothing on the card you stuff to pay attention and they did a great job of it here because the two teams that are teaming together whichever ones win they're going to be facing each other so there's stakes involved which always kind of raises you know the importance of the match and that's exactly what you had here and like you touched on Austin, I liked the story of the Bucks kind of just being more serious, more focused. They're all business. They're the business Bucks. They're not the young Bucks anymore. They're all business. They're there to, you know, basically wreck everybody and, and leave just like Roman Reigns. That's what they're looking to do. Ooh, and uh, wow. that's what they did. And uh, this this match was, you know, to be honest with you, I couldn't tell you too much from it. it I, I was entertained by it. I thought it was good. But uh, – Oh, the, the great thing is the Bucks won with their new finisher. I don't even know what I that did. new finish. Yeah, I'm the, not sure what it's called. The BTE trigger. The B. Oh, that's right. The BTE trigger, which is almost like a kind of like a playoff of the uh, the, the golden trigger, but it's two different angles. It's uh, pretty devastating looking, and I actually like that. Um, but th- those guys got like five finishers now. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I forgot which whoever does the flip off the top. It hurts his back, so they came up with a safer. Oh, yeah, Matt. Yeah, they came up with a safer finisher. 
So they're not gonna. So they've got more bang for your buck. Season, season, desist. Uh, the Grace Meltzer ever. The Indie Taker, and now the BTE Trigger. That's five. Yeah, yeah, that's well, a lot. Spot monkeys, that, obviously. Yeah, that, that, that's a lot of finishers for a tag team. When you're really good, you only need one, like uh, <laughs> FTR. You know, whatever. <laughs> you well, one last thing before we get your thoughts, Floyd. One thing I'm noticing is like Cody was starting to show some heelish tendencies. Now he's gone. Uh, but then, like, so is Hangman, and so is uh, Kenny, and then kind of so are the Bucks. Like, are they all in a race to figure out which one gets to go heel first? Is that what's like happening here? I, I, I think that's why they're that's why Tony and all of them are driving the narrative that there's no such things as heels and faces because they all want to be heels. <laughs> And he's yeah. like, it's like if, they have they have to appease all the, the executive VPs who are like all trying to do the same thing at the same time. They're like, all right, well, we got shades of gray, pal. Yeah, yeah. Nothing Cody does is actually hillish. Everyone deserves it. So, <laughs> <laughs> what, no, but I really. That, what, I, about the, what about the time when he uh, spit that drink on that fan in the crowd uh, at ROH? That fan deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on! No, Cody doesn't. Cody only gives people what they deserve, and so uh, if anybody gets in his way, yeah, they deserve it. But this match was great. I loved. Uh, I love Luch- uh, Luchasaurus's hot tag and his moves. It reminded me of you know that first time we saw him at Double or Nothing, where he came out and did his you know, hot tag, and he was completely, like, over, and it just seems like we might be getting some of that magic back. I think, you know, I thought he was one of those people that they were going to push really hard, but, you know, he's with Jurassic Express, and they are featured, but it's just, like, him as an individual, I think they should be building him up to a title shot eventually, and so I think this match seemed to get him back on the right foot, and, um, yeah, I thought it was a really good match. I thought everybody performed well, and of course, you can't have all out, which is basically the kid of all in, without the young bucks on the card. That's just silly. Yeah, but after this, there was a backstage segment where Jake Hager uh, went over to Orange Cassidy and told him that Jericho wants him ringside for his match tonight, and said it'd be smart for you to be there. Which was a small little set, uh, small little tidbit of what was going to happen later tonight. We then had an in the ring interview with one half of the AEW Tag Team Champions, Kenny Omega, and the one half, uh, the other half, Hangman Adam Page, was not there. And Tony Schiavone was asking him about what's going through his mind after what happened to Adam Page, and he talked about how the cockroaches in FTR gotten his head gotten adam page's head it happened but it will not happen at at all out they will defeat ftr just like every other tag team before them ftr did not take too long to come out with tully blanchard holding a beer cooler they actually offered kenny a bottle of chocolate milk nice touch and then just talks about if you came out here to bamboozle me two to one just get it over with because uh, the one thing you need to do, though, is just to keep the old man away. I can smell his depends from here as Kenny Omega takes a shot at Tully Blanchard. And then Adam Page comes out. Dax then says, Adam, explain to Kenny that we didn't do anything to you and how how big of a piece of shit you really are. 
And then Kenny, once again, cuts him off, screaming at Adam. They're get, trying to get inside your head again. FTR then grabs the tag belts. Adam Page demands to get them back. And then FTR tosses them uh, right across the canvas. Adam grabs the belts. And then as he turns around to return them to Kenny Omega, he's already gone. And he's standing alone on the floor. And then just considerably, once again, we have more turmoil between the AEW Tag Team Champions. And it's going to be interesting to see exactly what will happen at All Out. Because as far as it's looking right now, it seems like we're getting new Tag Team Champions on the horizon. But this had some great like, just character moments for a segment. And just the way of Adam just standing in the ring, Hangman's in the ring, and then just got Dax yelling at it one ear, Kenny yelling in the other ear. And you can just tell this man is just completely just his head his his world is just completely shot because he's pretty much burned almost every bridge possible except for maybe one and that bridge will probably not last much longer it's not a match but i do want to get your guys' thoughts on the segment because we got our ftr uh cheerleader in this in this call right now so <laughs> thoughts on this segment uh ftr is brilliant and amazing and way better on the mic than kenny omega and now Real Tag Team will hold the belts, and we saw the uh, Hangman. Hangman is something, I don't know, but FTR told them exactly what the Hangman is, and they're going to they're gonna separate him, and they're going to divide him, and they're going to beat him down like a Real Tag Team. Cut off the ring, work on a limb, Midnight Express, let's get out of here. One, two, three. Five and a half star match. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I gotta say, when um, when I saw that Kenny was gonna address what was going on with Hangman, I was actually really excited for that because um, one of my biggest uh, criticisms of w- or of AEW is just that uh, Kenny's like never cut a promo. Like I think he did once, like a year ago, when he was like feuding with Mox, and since then they don't give him any mic time. And it's the the reality is is I know I know you said Floyd that uh, FTR talks better than him I don't know if I agree with that but um he really can cut a promo he is a good talker and he wasn't doing so I've never seen it not once I would I would I will one hundred percent say um you want a good Kenny Omega promo the the little video uh, they did when it was revealed that uh, Pac wouldn't be uh, yeah. able to to come and face Kenny Omega and that that match was getting turned around. That promo that uh, Kenny cut was fucking was, great, and, and that was it was great. But I'm just talking about that live mic in your hand. Not Pac, sorry, I'm Moxley, my bad. Yeah, the live mic in your hand cut a promo. It just seems like eh, he's never been that great at it. But but how would we? Well, okay, in North American companies, I mean, he hasn't really worked for a major North American company ever until now. And prior to that, I mean, you're talking about his ROH PWG days in. New Japan, it's a different style of promo, but he cut plenty of really great promos all the time. He can talk. He is a good talker. But for whatever reason, they haven't really given him an opportunity to like do it. So uh, my one thing is I was like excited for that. Obviously, they were going to, you know, we're, one, we're on a go-home show out, you know, from a pay-per-view. So it makes sense. Um, once FTR came out, they were good. But it was like the same thing that they've done before. They like brought out the cooler. They're giving him milk again. I'm like, okay, we, you know, like we've seen this before. It's kind of like old hat. I was anticipating an actual confrontation. So something's old hat after three times. Yeah. Really? 
<laughs> really? That's, that's the number, apparently. That's, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, it's like they've been with the company like two months. They haven't done well, anything like, enough to be old hat. But it's the same guys, the same like sequence. It's like, okay, we're doing this again. All right. Uh, it's not beer. It's milk. Okay, cool. You got milk. Okay. We're, we're, we're acting cool with you, but we're not. Now, I do like the psychological element. They're trying to basically isolate one member and work on him mentally, just like they would physically in a wrestling match, which is what they're trying to do to Adam Hangman Page. And they're trying to, you know, keep uh, Kenny in the in, in the corner waiting for that hot tag. So that's kind of cool. But I don't know. This kind of all just felt melodramatic to me. No one threw any punches. No one, like, interacted. Like, uh, I, I will say Adam Page was really great. His acting was stupendous. The look on his face, you know, his body language, the way he played off of everything they said. Like, it's very clear that this is a conflicted and tormented man. And like you guys said, he's, uh, you know, kind of lost all his connections. And so that's kind of that puts you in like a desperate situation, which is kind of what this match is. It's do or die for him. So that's cool. But then it was like, oh, no, him and Kenny had a miscommunication again, just like they have the entire time that they've ever been tagging together entirely all right maybe they'll maybe they won't win and maybe they'll break up but this has been going on for literally the whole the whole year so it's it's fine i i I really didn't love this segment like it served its purpose i guess but um i don't know i'm i'm old school i want to see someone throw a punch (laughs) i don't i didn't want a punch i wanted them to make you wait i want i wanted some anticipation now you're anticipating the fdr they played right into the psychological game they broke down uh they broke down hangman caused some dissension but even more dissension in between them to the point where when he goes to hand back the belt hangman's not there they are a broken tag team and that was what ftr needed to do because when hangman and kenny are on the same page they're ba- they're unbeatable they're the best tag team in the world so to beat them beforehand you had to split them up so i see i so i see like if they're gonna do it saturday or whatever you're gonna see some miscommunication some stuff that's not hidden like it normally does because it's just genius because again kenny omega hangman said it in their interview we just decided we wanted to be a tag team boom we're the champions so that's scary (laughs) I, i will say one thing last week you mentioned that uh you said uh, that the Revival needed to teach them how to tag like a real tag team. You know, like, that match with the Bucks that uh, <laughs> Hangman Kenny had is better than any match that the Revival have ever had. Uh, I disagree. I, I will I will, I will. will actually agree with that point. Oh, okay, so we're going to start fight because I disagree <laughs> because the Revival in this little company called NXT – Put on a couple five star matches with his team called uh, at DIY, who which put on amazing tag team matches, which I think I would put on the same level as any as the Hangman and Young Bucks match, personally. But it's like, it's like I like traditional. I like traditional tag team wrestling. Those matches were closer to traditional tag team wrestling. Then that all-star game we saw in January or whenever that was. The, the, the other thing I will say is uh, I, I like Southern-style traditional tag team wrestling, too. I love, you know, the revival circa five years ago. But it's been like five years since those dudes put out any kind of classic or any kind of banger or anything like that at all. 
I think honestly, like the build has always been to when they actually like face a team like Hangman Kenny and when their match with the Young Bucks takes place. And I feel like the wait for that and the build and the payoff to when the, when FTR faces um, teams like that, because I think that FTR versus Kenny Omega and Hangman has a very strong possibility of stealing the show. It's oh, absolutely. So Actually, I Tony Khan said that really, today. I think we're truly going to see FTR at their highest, possibly circa back to when they were in NXT at their <laughs> highest point with this upcoming match at All Out and when they do eventually face the Young Bucks. Yeah, they, I, I don't, I don't doubt it at all. Yep, and they're going to have the tag rope, and it's going to be amazing, and they're going to be doing blind <laughs> tags, and then they're going to do the thing. They're going to do the thing where the referee's looking away, and they just clap their hands, and, oh, that was a tag. Oh, God, bring it back. Oh, God. That's good Gosh, wrestling. There's going to be a rope on the turnbuckle. Yeah. It's going to be fucking insane. And they're going to hold on to it, and they're going to have to be holding on to it they before they tag. tag. Wow, wow. When when I'm in uh, wrestling training school, uh, we don't have any tag ropes, and like I was like standing in the corner like this, and, and uh, my my coach is like he's like what are you doing? I was like tag rope. <laughs> I'm like if you don't have a tag rope, what do you choke your opponent with? I'm just so confused. <laughs> yeah, man, I don't know. But after this ma- after this little segment, we had uh, the demo god himself, Chris Jericho, taking on the bad boy Joey Janela, Jake Hager, then. Uh, accompanied him to the ring, and then Orange Cassidy did come down and sit, sat ringside for this matchup. And then, as Jericho removed his jacket, he had a shirt with Orange Ca- Orange Cassidy's face on it. And Jim Ross pointed out how there were mind games that were being played. Jericho pretty much wanted to sh- make an example out of Joey Janela to really get in the mind of Orange Cassidy in this matchup. There's a point where he removes the the turnbuckle pad, and then nails Joey Janela's face into it and Janela uh, was just getting beat up and then got busted open. He then took his Orange Cassidy t-shirt and wiped the blood on Joey Janela. And then Orange Cassidy then goes into the ring. Uh, Jake Kager stops him in the in his tracks. Then Sonny Kiss comes out to help out Joey Janela and then he proceeds to knock Jericho down. Then Jake Hager then knocks uh, Sonny Kiss down. Orange Cassidy attempts to hit the Superman punch, but then Jake Hager just pulls him out of the ring at the nick of time. And then right before the end, Orange Cassidy had a backpack with him. He pulls out a little bit of the bubbly, uncorks it, and then spills it out onto the mat as he stares down Jericho, obviously building up to the Mimosa Mayhem match that they will be having at All Out this Saturday. But this match overall, it was it was to serve the purpose to build towards Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy three. There was like the way that Jericho like just beat the shit out of Joey Janela. It made a statement and it was like, I mean, just it was a good way to build. I think I'm not sure exactly how this Mimosa Mayhem match will go. Um, This is probably the one that I'm the most intrigued by, but also concerned by. But either way, this match did its purpose. I feel like, and it just, it did its purpose and nothing really else. But thoughts on this matchup guys. I think you did a really great job encapsulating the essence of the match. Um, just a couple of random thoughts to sort of add here. Joy Janela, man, uh, the most bipolar of all attire outfit choosers, because like one week he's wearing cheetah pants with like weird tassels from them. Then the next week he's got the short trunks and like regular gear. Like his stuff is all over the place. Like, uh, 
Yeah, I'm a big fan of Joey Janela. Me and um, Floyd have had many a debate on the messenger about, you know, his place in the company and that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, right now he's jobber to the stars. That's pretty much his placement in the company. And that's exactly what he did here. Uh, you know, one thing I will say, I liked what they did here with him getting color and then Chris Jericho putting that on the shirt because that almost sort of like, a. uh, alluded back to what happened of you know a month or so ago when um they busted open orange cassie and he got the blood on his shirt and the ear and everything like that it was almost you know it was also foreboding what might happen to him this coming uh weekend the one problem i do have is this isn't going to be the only time we see color on this show and we're getting to a point where every single show we're getting multiple times where people are getting busted open and it is losing its effect all about uh, and this that blood and guts but here's the thing. I am too. This is coming from a guy who literally has a rule. If a match gets color, it automatically gets a quarter star bump no matter what. And if two people bleed, another quarter. Every time someone else bleeds, you're getting another quarter star. Like, that's just what's going to happen. But when you're on a show where, um, you know, I remember Mick Foley talked about it in one of his books. He was working for uh, Joel Gerthardt back in the day at Tri-State Wrestling. And they had asked specifically because he was having a hardcore match that night that nobody else bleed on the show. And they're like, yeah, 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 absolutely. Mick. And then the night, and then the match before he goes out there, they have a first blood battle Royal. Every single guy gets color to get out of the match that like, <laughs> so when he has his hardcore match, it like loses effect because the blood isn't so shocking. And that happens on the show way too often. Like every single feud can't be a blood feud. Um, so they kind of like need to figure out what avenue they're going down. But uh, other than that, I am excited to see Cassidy and, and Jericho lock it up again. Or, uh, yeah, OC and Jericho. Uh, I like the first two matches. Um, looking forward to the third one. I don't really know what a Mimosa Mayhem match exactly is going to be. I've heard what they said, but we'll see what it's like in practice. But, uh, yeah, man, uh, I thought it was pretty good. Well, Joey Janela. Looked exactly like I think he should be treated in this company. Oh good job. my god! Good job, Chris Jericho. Uh, and I'd like <laughs> I'd like to point out to people that uh, were arguing with me about the Janela versus Matt Cardona. One is on the pay per view in a match. One is not. Just throwing that out there. Um, One is signed to a long term deal. The other is not. Yeah, that is true. For good reason. Out of the same. No, I'm saying that's the bad thing is that one should be signed to a contract. No, one no, should no, no, uh, because no. the other one is <laughs> no, no, no. the other one is his purpose is getting beat up, and that's what he did. He did it very well. He looked amazing getting beat up, and yeah, so he did good job, good job, good job. Uh, I love the after match stuff. Um, very. Um, I'm moderately excited for OC versus Jericho just because I don't really know what the match is going to be. Uh, but yeah, I thought this was a great build up to it. Uh, if someone, if you're like a casual that is just getting into it, this is like your soap opera thing for as far as Orange Cassidy and Jericho. 16 weeks this has been going on. Even Jericho pointed that out. I'm looking forward to that match on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. And now. We had a quick little moment as Sammy Guevara walked out to the tunnel and had his poster board continuing to uh, talk about Matt Hardy and saying how he will have Matt Hardy be deleted. And then we saw more of this. 
broken rules match at All Out. And if Sammy wins, it will be the last we see of Matt Hardy in AEW. And we'll talk about that more when we get closer to talking about All Out and talking about the later segment on this show. We then had Taz come out with the FTW champ Brian Cage and absolute Ricky Starks talking about how Darby Allen needs to watch out for, for Ricky Starks and Lance Archer needs to be careful of the machine Brian Cage. Jake the Snake Roberts and Lance Archer come out and interrupt him and then Eddie Kingston comes out and he walks out with the Lucha Bros and Butcher and Blade. This segment was a lot of people. And then Sean Spears walked down, was walking down the ramp. Darby Allen's music hits and launches at Ricky Starts and just destroying each other. And then just complete, everyone starts fighting everybody. Jake Hager and Santana Ortiz came in. Then Best Friends came in. And then it was a way to build towards the Casino Battle Royal that will be taking place on Saturday where 21 people will be competing for a future shot at the AEW World Championship. Obviously... The easiest and most textbook used way to build a, a a battle royale where you just have everybody destroying everybody, and this is what the scene will look like with a casino battle royale. I said that the last uh, point in the show where Joey Janela and Chris Jericho's match was served to just build towards the show and nothing else, this served its purpose and absolutely no nothing else. I will say this was probably the weakest part on the show for me. I I knew what it was building towards the instant that everyone started coming out and doing their little bit. And I'm excited for the Casino Battle Royale. I think it's very great that it's back. But this segment, I knew exactly what it was getting across. And it really just did that. And again, nothing really else. But any guy, any other thoughts on this segment that you guys have? Um, yeah, you forgot to mention, you, you named a lot of competitors that came out and were involved here, but you forgot to name the most important uh, individual that's involved with the segment. Go ahead. The fabulous one, the monarch of manliness, the butterfly, my training partner, Fabu Andre. No way, I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I saw him uh, get thrown out pretty quick. <laughs> I mean, hey, that might not happen this weekend, but I'm hoping and praying for you now because I had no idea he was in that match, but now I'm pulling for him. Uh, I think there was a lot more than 21 people in that segment already, so I, I don't, I doubt he's going to actually be in the uh, Casino Battle Royal. And you know they uh, got to have well, some... Well, if he's in it, then he's in it. Yeah, you got you know they got to have some surprises. This this segment was a complete cluster F. Uh, if you ever had an argument for writers and rehearsing something before a show, this segment was it because they were talking all over each other, talking all over each other. It kind of went on too long, and it lost any. It did set up the rivalries that are going to be happening into the battle royal, which I thought was good. But I just, I just think if you're watching it, you're just like you kind of got lost in all of it. I, you know, I, I sort of liked it. Uh, I, I'm not going to judge it too harshly. I agree with most of the things you said, Floyd. But um, to me, a little chaos isn't like the worst thing in the world. I did think that they were like a little lost when they were trying to cut their promos. They probably should have rehearsed that. But uh, you know. I really like Eddie Kingston, and I liked his going back and forth with uh, Taz, that sort of thing. But um, ultimately, this thing was all over the place. Like, they went to commercial break. They were fighting through the break. They came back from the break. Everyone was still fighting. Like, this is the kind of thing that they traditionally would have, like, ended a go-home show 
for the Royal Rumble or something like that, you know, back in the day on Raw. You know, they would have ended the show with this, but it was in the middle of the show. And I actually thought it so it like was so crazy and so all over the place. It sort of like killed the audience for the rest of the show for the last two segments. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I got nothing really else to say about it because it's it's just it's 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 the yeah. typical like build towards yeah. a casino battle royal matchup. Yeah, so I was it's just, just saying, there's nothing really okay. there's nothing really else. I was just saying I oh, felt that I felt that too. I accidentally had it on mute when I was talking before, <laughs> but oh. uh, okay, no. yeah, uh, no, no, that worries, was only no Josh is pointing like I can't hear you, and I'm like, what the hell? And my switch was down, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, I just felt like. It just got lost on each other, and especially with Jake, who will talk for an hour if you let him, you really have to have, okay, you got 10 seconds to get your thought out. You got 10 seconds for you to get your thought out, so there's a little more organization. And Jake loves to cut off people in the middle of sentences, and it just throws off the whole segment at times. Because I don't feel like him and Taz said what they wanted to say. I think Eddie Kingston got more near to what he wanted to say, but I don't think Jake or Taz really said what they wanted to say going into the match. No. Yeah, it was it's just a lot together, and honestly, it's just it. We knew what it was building towards, but the segment did a didn't do the best job of portraying what it wanted to and have the feuds continue that would be in this matchup. But overall, I'm sure the Casino Battle Royal match will be good, but this segment was not good. <laughs> but after this, we were had the NWA Women's Champion Thunder Rosa taking on Serena, my girl from the Straight Edge Society. She looks so weird with hair. I'm not used to it. It doesn't. It's not. I need. I need shaved, and I need Punk to come out with like a mask or something with Luke Gallows, and then I, everything will be okay in my book. It was weird to me, but I was. I popped hard when I saw her because I was like, holy shit. Because I think I'm the only person who cares about like old school straight edge society stuff anymore because I'm a fucking mark for punk. <laughs> e- either way, this is the first chance that we got to see on AEW Thunder Rosa take on uh, someone. It was obviously it was a squash match, very much so. Uh, they had uh, Deeb, I think, get a little bit of offense in. Yeah, she had a neck breaker at one point and then proceeded to uh, just take Thunder Rosa's knee and drive it into the mat over and over again. And Thunder Rosa then was able to end up hitting the Thunder Driver and hit the pin on Deep on Serena and got the victory. This will build towards the AEW Women's Championship match against Hikaru Shida, and I'm I'm, I'm for it. I think it was, I think it was a good way to get Thunder Rosa on TV and quickly introduce her again after they use the video package and the promos and all that stuff. And I'm I'm really excited to see how this matchup goes because I from what I've seen of Thunder Rosa on Power on NWA Power I think she's really really good and I'm very excited for this matchup overall. But your guys' thoughts? Yeah, so this um, I, I agree. I I really liked the video packages and the build up and if you follow like the uh, Road Two show that they've done and some of the backstage stuff, they've done a good job. Um, sort of building to the to the match between these two champions, which is great. Um, they had the match, and in my opinion, and uh, this is something me and Floyd have talked about quite a bit uh, off the air. Um, I thought that this was the match of the night, personally. I thought it was a really, really good match. Um, I did disagree with you slightly, Austin. I didn't think this was necessarily a squash. I mean, yeah, I think I, my, my yeah my my when I when I say that I was like. 
when I, my mindset with it being a squash is that we knew the victory regardless. But honestly, gotcha. Serena Serena did get a good amount of back and forth offense in this matchup, and I don't want to like put that mindset that it was a squash match. It wasn't. It was just a really good uh, matchup between them to get Thunder Rosa some time on TV. But yeah, I, that's just that's where my mindset went when I was describing the match, but it wasn't really a squash. They, yeah, they, they had what I would call a classic athletic babyface match. It wasn't one where anyone had a shine or a heat, but it was more uh, akin to like your classic world of sport face versus face match where they're just out there having an athletic competition against one another, showcasing their goods. What, what can they do? And um, you're absolutely right. Uh, Serena Deeb looked really good. She's actually better than the majority of the women that they do have, have signed in, in AEW, to be honest. I would and, like them to actually sign her because I would be all for that. Yeah, I mean, um, she, she's definitely an, an, you know, an older veteran talent, but she has a lot to offer still. And they she kind of showed that here. And it wasn't a situation where Thunder Rosa had to carry anybody, uh, but they were able to just kind of go out there and work their match. Um, the one thing that was very strange... The crowd, dead silent. I mean, completely silent, which would make sense if it was like, like a fan audience crowd where nobody knows, you know, say Thunder Rosa, they're not familiar with her or they're just, ap- you know, apathetic to the women. But this is primarily majority worker crowd. <laughs> and I don't know if since they've gone, uh, you know, through the COVID period that I've ever seen them actually go completely dead ass silent for any match ever before and one of two things either happened here either they got burned out from that giant brawl right before it or there's some insider shit that they know about that we don't know about like i'm smelling a little bit of a sabotage here honestly because the match was fantastic and you would not know it at all from the audience um but last couple points um thunder rosa good match she looked strong she beat this girl clean. We move on. Um, the one thing I would have probably changed, the only thing, they should have had Hikaru Shida at least be at ringside or at least come out and acknowledge her or do a face-to-face or something. But yeah. she, they didn't do anything. And so it's like this is the kind of move you make four weeks out or six weeks out from a pay-per-view. You don't do it the go-home show. That's the only problem I had with it. Yes. Um, this was a good match. Um, but me and Josh actually had a bit of a discussion about this last night. And the weirdest thing in the world, a person I never agree with, Mr. Brian Alvarez, who I just generally don't agree with on anything, said on Wrestling Observer Radio this much, they didn't need a good match. Thunder Rosa should have came out killed her in like three seconds and bounced and that's my that was my opinion it's just you want thunder rosa to look strong you want her to look like a threat towards your uh towards your current champion i think beating someone it didn't have to be serena deeb cleanly concisely and like really over leads more to more excitement saturday than pretty much this 60-40 match with Serena Deeb, 
I didn't, like I said, I didn't mind the match. I thought it was a well-executed match. JR even pointed out, he said, this is one of the more technically sound women's matches we've had in a long time. He's like, I didn't know if it, <laughs> it was funny because he did the, I don't know if it's okay to say women, but it was a very technically, <laughs> it was a very technically sound match. And I, I have no problems with the match. I have a problem with this match not doing what it needed to do for Thunder Rosa to look like the star that she needs to look like before Saturday. She just looked, she looked like to some people, unlike you, that might not be familiar with Serena Deep being on TV, she pretty much went 50-50 with the nobody. And that sucks. And I am, like I said, I just, I just thought they could have done the big squash on did the squash on national TV. Everybody see Thunder Rosa being dominant, getting into a match, ready for Sheeta. I thought that would have been best. It didn't happen. We got a good 10 minutes of women's wrestling. It seemed to make, uh, Josh pointed out, and I've noticed today, it seemed to make Twitter very happy. So, and Tony said on the call today that he listens to his fans and they said they wanted more wrestling in the second hour of the go-home show. So he made sure that was there. I have, I mean, I can't say I have any problem with it. It's just, I think it would have been better with the squash. Yeah, that was, that was my one thinking. We were discussing it last night was there's been so many criticisms about the amount of time that they give to the women to actually work, you know? And so you're, you're right, Floyd. They could have easily had uh, Thunder Rosa go out there and squash her and then make her look strong and then moved on. But it, that's something that they've done many times for Nyla. It's something that they did recently for Big Swole. And people criticized it every time they did that. So I think they're trying to maybe sway away from that and do something different. And maybe they're like, all right, well, if we give them time to work and and actually showcase their skills, I think what the thing that I think really did hurt is what I mentioned earlier is the crowd. Um, I think because personally, I felt like this was the best women's match that they've had since the last pay-per-view with uh, Hikaru Shida and um, Nyla Rose. So I, I, I personally enjoyed the match. I could see why some people thought that, you know, this didn't um, benefit. But they did. You, the one thing is you guys are absolutely right. And, and I feel like I'm right in the fact that even though the match was good, they didn't do anything to actually promote the feud or rivalry on the air that evening between the two champions. And now that was their last opportunity. Now, now we're moving on. The match is happening this Saturday and, um, it, you know, it, you never, I don't feel like it has any heat. Yeah, there is no heat. And, and that was their opportunity to give it heat. And they didn't, mm -hmm. um, they didn't do anything to, they should have had both champions out there with their belts staring at each other or, if they wanted to go the route where they're going to have the big athletic contest and then put uh, Thunder Rose over strong, then Hikaru Shida comes out and puts it over. She like looks at her, she claps her hand, she 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 puts her over, and then she looks at her and, and like raises her belt up and lets her know like you had a good little match, but Saturday you're going fucking down, and they didn't do that. Okay, well, see, we agree. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, it's it it would have been a better. Like ending to the match, um, and honestly, I, I I agree with certain with fans being like they don't because I think just the idea of squash matches for the most part have just like fans know what it is and it doesn't really get them crazy hyped for a certain superstar because we know the ins and outs of like how 
booking certain superstars go and like just the idea of all this kind of stuff. So squash matches don't really do anything to get people intrigued because they know what it is and it doesn't really make uh, somebody latch onto a superstar or a wrestler that quickly. It's just I, I, the way that things have changed. And I feel I, like if they were going to do a 10-minute match, it should have been with somebody like that the viewing audience would have known. Yeah, like maybe Penelope Ford or just somebody from the roster that they know that Sheeta has maybe struggled with, and then Thunder Rosa beats her, beats her. You know, not not a squash, but you know, pretty definitive. And you're like, oh, well, Sheeta had a problem with her, and Thunder Rosa beat her a little bit more clean, or whatever you wanted to do. It just seems like Serena Deeb, she hasn't really been on TV in a long time, so. That was my that that was my problem with it. She wasn't the May Young Classic, and like the hardcore wrestling fans are gonna know who she is. It's just the other people aren't gonna know who she is. Sure, uh, agreed with you, Floyd. One thing though, even though it might have added a little bit more, uh, I don't know, cachet to the win for her to beat someone like a Penelope Ford or Abaddon or something like that. The reality is, nobody that's in the top five can have the kind of match Serena Deeb had with her. Oh no! I, none com- of, I completely. None of those agree. women are competent enough to actually have that style. I, I, when, when anyone asks about the women's division, I'm like, it's a talent issue. I've always said that. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 a it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of situation for them right now. And I think they're they're trying their best. They're working out the kinks, and um, you know, um, I hope we'll see what what happens going forward. Yeah, that's why. That's why I always this, try to be honest for the women's division. I just want to. Yeah. We just try to be upfront, and it's like I. I understand. I'm not ignoring it. It's just. It is what it is for right now. Yeah, and yeah, and I feel like it'll just take a little bit of time before things start going upward with that. But after this, we quickly had a right before our main event. We had one last segment. Oh, can where, I can I say oh, one thing? I, I there was something I forgot. It, it slipped my mind. So you had mentioned fans don't like um, squash matches. I'll tell you a little secret. They love squash matches. When the people doing the squashing beat the ass of the people getting squashed. Like like when it's the Steiner brothers or like Goldberg. uh, That was his whole career. Or Goldberg or (laughs) the Road Warriors and they're fucking up whoever it was that they're fighting. Or Yokozuna hitting those like bonsai drops as hard as he possibly could. People love it. But when it's like you know, but when it's just like a protected match or whatever, like the secret is you actually have to beat their ass. Yeah, it's gotta be. It's gotta be. It's gotta be like you're literally ripping them limb from limb. So it's gotta yeah. be. It's gotta be. If it's a squash match, you literally need to have the guy that the, who's getting squashed or the girl getting squashed get whipped around and then just destroyed and just pretty much toyed with. The last guy that they built that was like beating people up like that that I liked was like Ryback and because he was actually hitting people and they haven't and like nobody in the world has done that since since like 2012-2013 oh man you said a good thing about Ryback I need to take a drink (laughs) sorry about that I just uh, leave that I'll leave that and I won't touch that with a 10 they they drew money off that once sure (laughs) <laughs> sure. Yeah. At one point in time, there's a different no, time. No, no. Just literally one time, they drew money with him and Punk, and then and then that was it. It was over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that was more Punk's doing. <laughs> but whatever. I'm just I'm letting my marks show. But we'll get into the main event of the show: AW World Champion John Moxley facing MJF's attorney 
Mark Sterling. As we talked about last week on the show and the great segment that was where John Moxley had the added page 17 in the contract where Moxley is can use the paradigm shift tonight as he faces Sterling in a match before All Out. And if he does not show, then MJF will not receive the title match. And Mark Sterling comes out and he goes in and just does not he he tries at one point to uh he tries at one point to uh like get some points go get some moments going in but it very much quickly uh just he wasn't getting at all any offense whatsoever he he did get to one point where he poked him in the eyes but then Moxley then quickly clotheslined him to the outside he then brings chairs and piles uh he piles chairs and a barricade onto Sterling then removes one of his sneakers and starts hitting him with it and then hits him with the paradigm shift. And then after that happens, Wardlow runs into the ring and clotheslines Moxley and then sends him with the F10. And then MJF then comes down and then just starts beating him down. And then Moxley gets busted open. He's got like a wife beater on and then he's just got blood spewing all over. He's putting it in its face after he hits him with the uh, diamond, diamond dynamite ring. Dynamite diamond ring. Goddamn alliteration. And yeah, Wardlow hands MJF the title, says the future is this is the future right here. And then the the show ended with MJF holding the AW World Championship over, Mox uh Mox title over his bloodied carcass. And that's how the show went off the air. Now, as a main event and as the closing uh image that we saw leading into All Out and for the Go Home show, your guys' thoughts on this match, because I thought it was. I thought it was fine. I thought MJF did a lot of great healing in this in this segment, but like, we kind of knew what this was going to be going into it, and yeah, it was just kind of what we were. What I feel like most of us kind of expected it to be. But your guys' thoughts? I hated this segment. <laughs> <laughs> um, and for a few reasons, um, I didn't like what happened last week when um, yeah. Moxley like signed off on this because he was like, oh, well, you guys didn't read it. I got a clause in there. And when I was like, oh, he got a clause, there's something that MJF's not going to be able to do or something that gives you know him a – it levels the, the playing field in the match. And then he was like, I get your lawyer next week. It's like, what? Who, yeah, who it wanted kinda, to, It was different, who, yeah. It was how was that smart? What? Who wanted to see this? You know, the thing is – Traditionally speaking, when you have a situation where there's some sort of like a non-wrestler entity, whether it's a manager or, you know, say Andy Kaufman with Jerry Lawler or something like that, you usually want it to be someone that the fans are just – first off, you want there to be fans. (laughs) You want to draw money off of it. Uh, I guess TV ratings works too, but like you want it to be something to where – People are clamoring for it because it's been building and building and building, and it has to happen because the babyface has to get their comeuppance against this, this, you know, sniving, snarling, whatever, like like this little shit that he hasn't been able to get his hands on. Uh, we've had the build with like his lawyer for like two or three weeks, and it's been pretty negligible. It was like, who really wanted to see this? Who, who was? What audience was this for? It wasn't for me. I don't know about you guys, but I was just like, maybe down the road, there's a story to be told there. But it's like, uh, his lawyer, you're going to beat up his lawyer. I don't understand how that helps you in your title match this coming weekend. 
Um, and the match was just whatever. Like the match was fine, but it would the way they worked it would have worked better if there was heat behind it, and there was no heat because they they only had two or three weeks to build to it. Uh, it to me, it kind of made Mox look like a dumb baby face. He's like, all right, I'll I'll let you take away my finisher, which there's no actual reason to take it away, but I get your lawyer. It's like, dude, that's not smart. That's stupid. You, you're losing. You're, you're giving away a huge advantage. And I know, like, he's tough enough to beat him without his finisher. I get it. But it's like, but why? Why did? Why would you do that? It makes no sense. Usually I try to add something to what you said, but I agree with everything you said there. It's like, there's nothing I don't agree with. This is a nothing, kind of a nothing segment. Uh, and Moxley is the champion, so you should be negotiating from a position of power. Why would you give up? <laughs> Why would you give up any power you had? Oh, yeah. so you don't want to wrestle me in case unless I give you what you want, then... Okay, we're not wrestling. Right. <laughs> that is literally a thought that I had, but I forgot to mention it here. That's exactly right. The only thing that really saved this was the healing of, um, you know, that of of yeah. uh, MJF when he came in. But I'll tell you one thing: MJF's like, "You guys want some violence? You got some violence." But I was like, "What did you do? You punched him in the ring." That's I saw this dude get hacked with a weed cutter, like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if, if you're gonna bring some, there's more violence the entire rest of the show than what you just did in this segment. Like, I'll if, show if you, you violence that I can get away with on TNT. Well, I'm like, put them through a table. If you're gonna, you know, I, I'm not usually advocate for that sort of thing, but it's like if you're gonna show us quote unquote violence, then do it. Show us some violence. Do something. I don't know what it has to be. But just punching him and then him bleeding is not it. Like we already saw Jer- Jericho bust open Janela earlier in the night, and that was more violent. We, the, the the first match of the night was more violent. E- actually, every single match that night was more violent than this segment. Um, I just didn't think it was a good way to send people off. Yeah. Anticipating this world title match, like I feel like the world title match program, which could have and should have been really good, aside from some good promos, it, it, there's not much heat behind it, honestly. No, honestly, I think leading into like the contract signing that was last week, I think that was their point where they really tried to sell this feud hardcore and they were doing a decent job. And again, yeah. like if there was, and like you said, and I, I, I totally agree. If there was like a different stipulation added, like honestly what they could have done. And I think it would have been, it would have made total sense. Um, if he can't use the paradigm shift, but I get you in a steel cage. Doesn't that make more sense? Like I get you in a steel cage so your buddy Wardlow can't do anything in this matchup. So or ban Wardlow for ringside. Yeah, it's just anything. Dude, yeah, any exactly. any anything would have been better. Like, and then MJF they they cut a backstage promo where MJF like was uh basically telling uh his uh, you know his lawyer like you're either gonna fight this guy or I'm gonna put you in a wood chipper. So then. They got sympathy on the lawyer, so he went in there as a sympathetic babyface. Like he didn't go in there as as this uh, heat magnet. You know, like yeah. it, it made the the dynamics were really weird. Uh, yeah. Oh, you know, <laughs> it's fine. We'll talk about it later. But yeah, uh, those are my thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> Overall, I think we can dec- we can all pretty much agree on this. This was a pretty was, weird way to end the go home show for. Yeah, I was gonna say it was all. a go it was a go home show. You know, it wasn't a great go home show, but it was it was a go home show. 
I don't. I am not as excited for All Out as I have been for like any of their other shows. Even Double or Nothing with in front of people, I was still like, okay, this is about to go down. I don't feel that way about All Out. Maybe it ends up knocking it out of the park despite that, but I, yeah, I don't feel the excitement for the show right now. Here, here's the positive thing I will say. Um, as far as be, uh, it being a go-home show, I think that obviously the way you end a weekly Dynamite, is, especially on a go-home show, is really important, and I think they kind of floundered and missed there. But when you look at the show in totality, every single segment, every single match, every single thing that they did was literally pointing to the pay-per-view itself. And even if they had a, a misstep here or there, overall, it was actually a really strong go-home show, which most, like, if you compare it to WWE or NXT, they don't even do that anymore. Uh, it's well, no, kind of you'll have, like, you'll have, you'll have, like, I don't remember which pay-per-view it was, but you'll have WWE go into a, a pay-per-view where, like, literally three matches are announced and then, like, three more get announced the day of the show. Right. And last, so, last year, that trend kind of became huge. And... Um, we were sort of like dumbfounded by it because even by their standards, that was bad. But now we've kind of forgotten and that's just become standard practice for them. Yeah. And it's like, I do like that every, like every single segment and every single match had a purpose to build towards all out, whether or not they build to it properly is a completely different story. But I at least like, I agree with you. I like how they built to each match. So that way every, match had a reason to get built towards and really the only match that wasn't built to on this go home show was dark order versus matt cordona scorpio sky and the natural nightmares but that's that's pretty much it yeah i hate to uh be the stand guy on this uh show because this is something i've heard uh floyd and amy and different people say on the show previously and i kind of scoffed at it because i thought it was uh it's it's a true statement but it's something only a real fanboy would say but i'm gonna say it if this is the worst that Dynamite's going to give us, then it's a pretty good show. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's, it's honestly, we're, we've been so spoiled with some of the stuff that we've seen on Dynamite and on all, and on their pay per views and whatnot. So, like, considering that this is probably like one of the weaker shows that they've had in terms of like building towards a pay per view, that's saying a lot because. You look a couple a couple companies down and like see what other big time promotions are doing, and some of the stuff they do is just leaves you scratching your head, being like, "What on earth is going on?" No, you don't even have to look a few companies down. Look one company up. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> and, and and you'll see just total incompetence. And uh, I, I would literally put this show up pound for pound against any TV show that they've put on in the last I don't know two three years and. You're probably going to have a pretty compelling argument that this might be a better show than anything they put out in years. Literally. Yeah, sure. But overall, that is the go-home show for All Out on this episode of AEW Dynamite. As we've talked about, it wasn't the best go-home show. Really, there was points where some of the matches didn't get good builds. There was a lot of really good moments on this show. Like I said, like Serena versus uh, Thunder Rosa and... A lot of other good moments, like the the build towards Jericho and uh, and uh, Orange Cassidy, was really well done. And 
just the overall, just everything going on with the elite has been nothing but quality. I've really been enjoying that, and that's been my favorite part. Leading into what's probably going to lead to a lot of changes in the elite going into all out. But any other thoughts you want to give on this show before we head over to give our preview for all out? Or is that everything? Is that everything you guys got? That's everything I got. All right, that's everything for me. All right, yeah. So real quick then. Before we get into our all-out preview, and I will assume predictions as well, I want to let you guys know that support for All Things Elite is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. And if you go and use the code SUPLEX with your order... You get 20% off that order, and you get free shipping. Not one or the other or neither. That would be ridiculous. It would be like the code did nothing. But no, our code gives you 20% off and free shipping if you use the code SUPLEX. And Floyd, has always, will tell you even more. Yes, uh, Lawnmower 3.0. That's uh, the big thing from uh, Manscaped is their shaver. Uh, I personally use it not for... My downstairs area, I use it for my face. I get, it helps me get good lines, keeps my beard even uh, when I, you know, remember to do it. But it's a, yeah, it's one of the best razors out in the market, if not the best razor out in the market. And for the people I know that do use it on their family jewels, they have no complaints about it. Now we are doing a special promotion. I mean, you would have to basically order it today, but if you order. Uh, something from Manscaped using the suplex code and you send an email to uh, socialsuplex at gmail.com uh, uh, we will go ahead and you know order all out for you so you will get your Manscaped product which is product on its own it's worth the worth the money with the 20% off of the free shipping plus you'll get all out again this expires you know you know, before all out, you know, when all out starts. So if you don't do it within that, that 24 to 40, 36 hour window, you won't be able to get it. But, you know, uh, that's additional offer that we are giving from social suplex. We hope you, we know you'll like manscape if you try it. So definitely go to the site and check out the products that they have. Yes. Thank you again to manscape for sponsoring the podcast. Now, going into the all-out pay-per-view taking place on Saturday, we first have the buy-in matchup, the tooth-and-nail match between Big Swole and Britt Breaker, which I think we might have glossed over a little bit because there was a point in the Dynamite where Big Swole had a little interview with Tony Schiavone. Britt Baker then came out dressed up as a pizza delivery person and was delivering a pizza to Tony Schiavone. She really wasn't, and then she proceeded to beat up uh, big Swole to lead into this matchup. Um, it was a quick segment. We didn't really touch on it in the Dynamite, but it, it was a quick little segment to build into that match. And it will be a tooth and nail match uh, for between Big Swole and Britt Baker. This will be her return to the ring after being out for injury for Big for Britt Baker. Kind of surprised that this match is taking the, uh, the buy-in spot. I didn't really expect it to. I thought more so... Dark Order versus Cardona, Sky, and the Natural Nightmares would take that buy-in spot. But either way, I'm very excited to see uh, what the hell a tooth and nail match is. And second of all, um, I guess if I'll make my prediction, I will go with Dr. Britt Baker making her return and getting her first win back in the ring. But yeah, it just kind of surprised me seeing this match on the buy-in. 
Yeah, uh, as far as... Um, I don't know if you mentioned this just now, Austin, but it is confirmed this is going to be a cinematic match. That's what I... The, yeah, that's the thing, is that I... It's what I heard, and it was a bit questioning to me because it's a cinematic match that they're doing for a match like Britt Baker and Big Swole, which I don't think I would say doesn't deserve a match that would be cinematic quality. But the reason as to why it's on the buy-in confuses me. And just the, the, the placement of it just seems very odd to me. And the decision to make it a cinematic match with this tooth and nail match. I think these two have great chemistry together. Big Swole is obviously unbelievably entertaining and Britt Baker's really coming to her own as this new heel persona. So I think they have the ability to do something good with this kind of matchup. I'm interested as to how the hell it'll work out though, because it, when you think of matches that could be cinematic, um, I don't think people would point to this one as one that they would consider to be using that template. I think what's going on here. And this is just my, uh, I'm just kind of speculating here. Um, I don't think Britt Baker is like ready to actually fully return to the ring. That's the thought that went to my mind too. Yeah. Because I mean, they sort of teased that she was ready to come back the other week when they did the, uh, you know, the handicap match, but she really didn't do much or even truly like take any bumps or anything of that nature. And they've been building this literally for like six months. It's probably like been the most involved female feud in all of AEW. Uh, up to this, you know, at least for this calendar year. So they kind of had to pay it off, especially with how much TV they devoted to it, how much time and promotion they've given to it. Um, but if hypothetically, if Britt is, let's just say she's not in competitive shape, you know, just due to her injury, what's your options? You know, you can't put them on the actual pay-per-view. Um, so, you know, you got to pay it off. So maybe you do a smoke and mirrors, cinematic match that's very in vogue right now but it's not on the actual pay-per-view they're giving it away on the buy-in which is actually kind of smart if you really think about it uh because for the people that are going to criticize that they're doing a cinematic match it's like well at least it's not on the pay-per-view it's on the buy-in you know so it's not even really part of the actual pay-per-view it's like okay cool but for the people that are like intrigued by it they're like oh they're doing a cinematic match and it's free Maybe the buy-in is a good spot for them to kind of put that, you know, that might entice, you know, I don't know if what the metrics are, how many people actually tune to those things and buy the pay-per-view based off of it. But if they are going to have a chance at succeeding with it, that's one where they might actually do it. So um, I'm not a big fan of, of the cinematic matches, but I can kind of see why they're doing it here. And I, I you know, I'm not opposed to it, uh, Floyd. No, uh, I am very excited. Uh, Tony said today that they were doing it to protect Britt. That's smart. Uh, I think she's more valuable long-term than this just as one match. Uh, and it being on the buy-in, you know, um, it, it'll be the focus of the buy-in. It won't, it won't take away from any other match, and it'll be a great way to introduce people that are checking out to decide if they're going to buy it. Uh, that would be a great way to get them involved in it because, of course, you can reshoot, cut, and get the best version of the match out there for your audience. So I'm looking forward to it. As a person that will be live in attendance, it is going to be weird because I'll pretty much just be watching it you know, on the screen, but you know what? Try to be just as pumped up for it. But I'm calling, I'm calling, uh, I think Swole gets the first win. I think they'll give Britt the win in a regular match later to set up her eventual, you know, like 
challenging for the title. Yeah, I agree. I think Big Swole probably wins here just because she is the babyface. Uh, it's a tooth and nail match, so this is probably happening like maybe in Britt Baker's like dentist office. I don't know. Um, maybe this will be her quote unquote like signature match, but it'll be like her signature match that she always loses, sort of like Mick Foley in Hell in a Cell. Yeah, yeah. But if yeah, like you said, if it's for the reasoning to protect. Britt Baker, which makes all the sense in the world as to why they're why they're doing a cinematic match. Yeah, that's totally fine. When I heard it, when I heard it, I was very much confused. But then thinking more so about it, it makes way more sense uh, when you hear Tony talk about it. When I when you actually think it over. But starting off on the actual pay per view for All Out, Young Bucks versus Jurassic Express, which we saw get confirmed on this episode of Dynamite. Um, and I feel like going into it, I think. Because I'm thinking, because Young Bucks is just their mindset has been really interesting, and I think, I think the way that they're acting is going to show a different side that they're trying to showcase, and I think the Young Bucks are going to end up getting the victory on this matchup. And considering the kind of stuff that they're doing recently, I think this matchup has a, ten- a tendency to be really, really strong, and I think would be a really strong opening matchup if it ends up being placed there. But I mean, like. The matchup itself just sounds great on paper anyway. So your guys' thoughts on this match and who will go over? Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know the long-term um, booking for the Bucks. I think most people are anticipating a, you know, collision between the Young Bucks and um, FTR. But it's like, I think a lot of people were hoping for maybe that to happen by, say, this pay-per-view. And they do their pay-per-views, what, every three months, basically? About, yeah, about. So I mean that's a long time to kind of keep them away. Um, I think the Bucks go over here. They're they're the big stars. It's a pay per view. It's all out. You know, it's their house. So I assume they're going to win here. But um, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus are extremely popular, especially with w- women and children. And um, being placed in there with uh, two Dynamos like Matt and Nick Jackson. This match is probably going to be really, really, really good. Especially Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus really tend to turn it up for the pay-per-views. So this will probably be very impressive. I, I've got the Bucks here. And Floyd, your thoughts on this matchup? Is he muted again? I think they're going to do something a little vicious in the match. Uh, the Young Bucks, and they're going to get the win against the rest of what I said at the beginning. I think this match is going to be a great match, and uh, the Young Bucks are going to do something a little vicious at towards the end of the match, maybe something a little unnecessary, and that's going to get them to win uh, against uh, you know Jungle Boy and uh, Luchasaurus. I don't know what it could be. It, it really has been kind of a cool build between them going to more to their dark side has always happened against Jurassic Express with Kenny Omega attacking uh, Marco Stun after the match. And now uh, we got this tag team match set up, how they were kind of not wanting to tag them on Wednesday. And it just seems like they're trying to build to something with the Jurassic Express and the elite. Like that's their first stepping stone towards the dark side. Yeah. You know, you know, one thing that you mentioned was like them stepping to the dark side, quote unquote, whatever that may be. If you really think about it, because Nick and Matt, aside from, 
were the three places they really spent a lot of time. I mean, ROH, PWG, and New Japan, and they kind of split their time between those three. There was never really a time for them to really establish a character. They're just kind of an attraction, this tag team attraction who they're the Bucks, you know, all over the indies. When, when you go to see them, you, you pay to go see the Bucks. But now that they're weekly on TV, they kind of fall into that conundrum of like, you think guys like Undertaker, Y2J, and uh, Dean Dean Ambrose, and all these different people who like constantly reinvent themselves, and it's like eventually with how long they've been together, and you know how long their act has kind of stayed the same, they kind of have to go through some sort of metamorphosis. Otherwise, they're just going to always be. I mean, how long could they even be the Young Bucks with that name there, like Young? How long can they be the Young Bucks? Like, <laughs> I'm not sure how long they can do that. There has to be some sort of shift in their persona or character at some point in their career to continue to be intriguing, especially on a weekly episodic television show. It's just got to happen, and this might be the catalyst of that, honestly. Yeah, and I think that's going to be – there's going to be a lot of movements towards that, I think, um, like past this show and, and onward. But after this is Dark Order, which will consist of Brody Lee, Colt Cabana, Stu Grayson, and Evil Uno versus Matt Cordona, Scorpio Sky, and the Natural Nightmares. Considering the run that the Dark Order has been on and with Brody becoming the TNT champion uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, I don't see Dark Order losing this match. I see someone like QT taking the pin, and then Dark Order continues their reign as being like just ruling over AEW with the TNT title and continuing to cause hell for the Nightmare family and for people like Cody. Um, the only other way I could see this going is like Cody making a return and then causing uh, the Dark Order to lose that match. But I think Cody should be off TV a little bit longer before he makes his return to go back after Brody Lee. But I have Dark Order for this. Cardona said he signed for, I believe, four dates. Was that four appearances or four matches? Do you guys know? I would have to go to Floyd for that one. Uh, they have not really been very clear on that, whether it's four dates, four appearances, or whatever. Uh, when, According to uh, Voices of Wrestling, they said he might have two or three. It's just depending on if that uh, first appearance with Cody actually counts. So this could hypothetically be like his uh, swan song. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 very possible, and I think, because I don't know exactly how long people thought Matt Cordona would stick around in AEW, and with what he's been doing with his uh, Figures podcast, that's a completely different avenue that he's got, so it's, I, if this, if this could, if this is the swan song for Matt Cordona, it's a short period of time, and we didn't really get to see that much of him, and I would have liked to see more, but I'm at least glad that he showed up. Oh my god, I hope... <laughs> <laughs> I hope if this is like his goodbye that the Dark Order does something to really send him off to get some serious heat so that they yeah. can build a story. And I'm not saying he should never come back. That's not even like I'm not even no, no, like no. being I'm not being a troll right now and playing against Floyd. I'm being dead ass. Like if he's only signed temporarily, do something big to send him off if this is his utilize that opportunity with him being a quote unquote best friend of Cody really capitalized on this. Maybe they can stretcher job him like they stretcher jobbed Cody. Other than that, there's not much to this match that's really intriguing to me. It's just kind of an uh, uh, an extension of the 
Brody Lee Cody feud. And I, I agree with you. I think uh, Dark Order is going to win here. Uh, the only real kind of X factor is like Scorpio Skies here, but he's an SCU guy, but he's like involved in it because they want to get him on the card, but there's something else for him to do. So I don't, I don't really like that aspect of it. But um, yeah, I, I don't know if it's Matt Cardona's last night or not, but if it is, I'm calling it right now stretcher job. All right. I mean, that would make sense. You know, you take, again, you take out Cody's friend that builds up the heat with Cody's feud with the Dark Order. Uh, I, I I mean, I have a different prediction, but if my other prediction doesn't happen, I think Cody uh, shows up and attacks Brody Lee at some point. Maybe he even gets taken out again, but I think he does show. I think he's going to be there on this show. I don't think there's any way he's missing this show. I, I'm. I feel very confident that Cody's not going to be on this show. All right, and I was going to say I think it, it would be best if he ke- got kept off TV for a little bit longer before he makes his return. So, you got you got your predictions on that side to hash it out and think about Casino Battle Royal. Now, this is going to be the one with the predictions that's going to be the most interesting. The winner of this will get a shot at the AAW World Championship. Now. Leading into this, um, honestly, and I don't know why it's just it's just the way my mind's working. I'm leaning towards Eddie, Eddie Kingston for this winner. And you know, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say that's what I'd like to see the most because if Moxley ends up retaining the title, that's what I'd like to see the most. But if MJF wins, then obviously you had a babyface getting over with that. Maybe it's Darby Allen. Maybe it's somebody else. But. If if Moxley ends up continuing to hold that title, I I would like to see Eddie Kingston and Moxley, and that's my where my, my mind goes with that. And considering the people in the matchup, Eddie Kingston is the one that I think could be the the one that people consider, but not sure if he, they goes for it. That's who I would go with at least. Yeah, I um, I'm looking online, and there's 17 names that are listed. Out of the 21. So we already have a good portion of the field filled out. But that leaves, what, 18, 19, 20. So four spots that are to be determined. So uh, if I was just going solely based off of who is here, I would probably agree with you. The one other option worth considering is Lance Archer. Yeah, uh, I think that those got to be the, like I think Eddie Kingston, given his status as the head of this new faction, and then Lance Archer, just given his trajectory and his status in the company, those got to be those two have to be your favorites because Darby Allen and Brian Cage have already gotten title shots in the past, and I don't see any anyone else that's listed. And then obviously there's your four outsiders. We don't know who they are going to be, and in the past this company has loved to. Uh, bring in like an X factor guy or girl at the last second to kind of be the real title challenger. So if history tells us anything, it's not going to be any of these 17 people, but if it is going to be one of them, it's probably going to be Lance Archer or Eddie Kingston. Um, last couple thoughts. This field looks a lot better than the uh, casino battle Royale from last year. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um, I I don't like the format that they did last year though, where they bring in like fields of five. Like I hated that, and so I'm I'm sure oh, they yeah, probably with the uh, with the card with like each of them has a suit and stuff like that. 
I'm sure they're going to keep doing it, but I hope they don't do that. I hope they just have a battle royal. Probably, like, uh, at All In, they just had a battle royal, and it was way better than this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So. Well, considering that we never saw them build it up with, like, somebody drawing cards or whatever, um, honestly, I, I think that they might be just doing away with that whole concept. They are okay. not doing away with that whole concept. Are they not? <laughs> they are uh, actually going to do the five in, five out, just like they did previously. I maybe they'll double be double down. Maybe they're going to do it on. Hey. Maybe they're going to do it on the road to or whatever the preview show is tomorrow countdown, night, yeah. or countdown or whatever. But yeah, for apparently that's how they're doing it. I have two bold predictions for this match. First bowl, first bowl prediction, Nyla Rose uh, is going to be in it. Uh, second second bowl prediction, Cody's going to win it. Oh, Jesus oh. Christ. <laughs> I mean, okay. So Should the we first, be shocked at all that that's his prediction? The first prediction, I mean, Nyla's kind of just copying Jordan Grace at that point. I mean, yeah. okay. I mean, I mean... Copying something that's good, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. And then the second thing is, like, Cody's definitely not winning this shit. <laughs> Cody's going to come in at 21, win it, and, you know, feel like he has a title shot. What's he going to do? I just feel like that would be, like, a big news segment from this episode leading into dynamite on wednesday now with now with now to jump a little bit ahead does that mean your prediction for the aw championship is gonna react accordingly to your prediction for the battle royale no it is not because oh okay no i don't believe so he's he's compartmentalizing all his predictions no no, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because honestly, the Cody thing is only based on if he doesn't. Should, it, like, I feel like he's either going to show up at the eight man or something. I think he. I just. I don't feel like there's a way that they would have Cody not be on all out, since okay. it is the baby of all in. It's the the show. There's no way they're going to not have him on it. Can I okay. give you guys? Can I give you guys one closing thought uh, on this match? Sure. Fuck Austin Gunn. I fucking hate Austin <laughs> Gunn. <laughs> I heard Austin and I was like, what'd I do? Every single week when I'm watching AEW with my girlfriend or the pay-per-views, literally, I see Austin Gunn's ass just trying so hard to get in front of the camera. It's like, bro, like, God, I hate Austin Gunn. So I, I there's no nothing about AEW that I hate more than Austin Gunn. I hate him. And like I don't think he should be in the. I think it should be Fabu. Fabu should be in this. In this, not Austin Gunn. Okay. All right. Well, I, Austin Gunn. I mean, uh, Fabu doesn't have the right dad. I guess. I guess that's true. <laughs> I guess not. But <laughs> uh, any? Do you guys have? Do you guys have one off the wall outsider? Not you know one just off the wall like someone who's not signed to the company like prediction that it could possibly be. I actually have two. Well, one's not off the wall. Jeff Cobb making a run in, but oh, Jeff. Okay, that's a good one. The other one would be Nick Aldis. I think oh, that would be my, that would be oh so cool God. if he just came yeah, in. Nick, honestly, that was kind of what I was leaning towards too with them working with NWA. Nick Aldis showing up would be fucking crazy. This feels like that time when um, <laughs> Jim Crockett swallowed up Mid South. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Um, yeah, I would love if, if it was Nick Aldis. I would love that. Um, I'm going to give you guys one 
off the wall outsider little rumor I heard. I don't know if it's true, but we'll see. Mil Mortis. Ooh, that would be All pretty right. cool. Yeah, get so some more lucha underground. He didn't sign with the WWE, or did he? He's not signed with anybody. Okay, that'd be that'd be dope. That'd be dope. I'd yeah, be it's, down it's, with it. Well. Super. I think I think the two you threw out are much more likely, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. Then we have Hardy, Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara in that Broken Rules match, which will be a last man standing match. If Jeff, if if Matt Hardy loses, sorry, he will leave AEW. With that stipulation thrown out, and honestly, like considering how much Matt has like swayed away a little bit from the broken Matt Hardy character and how he kind of just decided to go like back to his normal persona, persona, I think Matt Hardy might be like as like moving away from AEW, and I think this might actually be his last match. So I would I would guess Sammy Guevara, just from what I've been seeing at least on TV. I think they might be just getting ready for Matt Hardy to be done. So, get your guys' thoughts on this match, though. Um, I mean, that's not impossible, of course, at all. Um, we don't know. You, you know, we never know the ins and outs no. of a of a person's situation. But to me, it's like he came in with all that fanfare. They had plans for him. Seems like this was a long term deal. My gut is that Matt's not leaving. And in the event now, if Matt is leaving, maybe this is a good way to send him off. Then I would probably say that his run, aside from like one big appearance and a couple good matches, was pretty much lackluster. That would be my opinion if he is leaving. But if he is staying, I'm not a fan of this. Now I'm I have no problem with this being a last man standing match. I don't know why they got to call it a quote unquote broken rules match, but whatever. Um, but. Matt shouldn't be beating Sammy Guevara at this point, and also Matt shouldn't be getting retired at this point. So it's like I kind of feel like they got booked into a no-win situation unless unless they're for sure like getting rid of Matt Hardy and he's leaving. I don't see the point of this. Like th- this feud doesn't have enough build and heat to require Matt to have to overcome the odds to save his career. Yeah. So it's it's really strange to me. I, I think this is a misstep, honestly. Um, in fact, I feel like it would have been fine. Here's my controversial take. Let's say Matt is retiring. Don't announce it ahead of time. Have a regular last man standing match. Sammy beats your ass so bad, you never come back. Just to build Sammy even more. No stip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just and not even a last man standing match. Just he just get, kicks the shit out of him. It, it could be a last man standing match. It doesn't matter, but it doesn't have to be a loser leaves. You know, if I lose, I, I lose my career. Like no, because to me, when he says if I lose, I lose my career. That that's telling me up front he's not losing. That tells me it's like a for sure he's staying. And okay. why the fuck why the fuck is Matt Matt Hardy beating Sammy Guevara in 2020 on on pay per view? That's stupid. So I'm not. This is one of the big missteps of the pay per view. I'm actually a big. Uh, I'm I'm pretty opposed to this, and I I want to see these two guys wrestle for sure, but I don't like the stip. Now, Floyd, your thoughts? Oh, okay. Which one am I on? You're on. Yep, you're on. All right. This is the match I'm least looking forward to on the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It just. Uh, it just it just does nothing for me. 
So, uh, I mean, I'm trying to, all you gotta say. I'm trying, like, I'm trying to think of it. And it's like, I don't like if Sammy wins. Well, if Matt retires, I don't care. I I really don't care about either (laughs) one of these people. I mean, the broken thing is fun for me. And it's just like, they say that we're going away from it. Now you're leaning back into it. I don't know which one it is. Right. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's very inconsistent. He's like, I, 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 we listen to the fans, so we're not going to do it anymore. But then they're still kind of doing it. It's like, it's like when a, you know, someone messed up in a relationship, and they know they messed up, and they tell you they're going to change, but they don't actually change anything. It's kind of like that. <laughs> I mean, like, it's, it's. I definitely agree with you guys. How probably the match that I'm looking forward to the least out of it, besides maybe Dark Order versus Card- Cardona Sky and the Natural Nightmares, um, but. Uh, it's just it's it's a weird situation because I don't if, if, unless unless Matt's really leaving, I don't see the purpose of having the the loser leaves. Le- I mean, or if Matt loses, he leaves and he's his career is over because it just doesn't it just doesn't really add as much to the match as they think. Even if if unless he's actually leaving, which is why my mindset went to well, like this might be it for him because I guess just things aren't really going the way that we were like that we would have liked for Matt Hardy. And I think maybe he's just, he's just done. So, but yeah, I guess we'll just see what happens out of this matchup. But yeah, like just the, the build, um, hasn't been the best and just the, the overall just structure and like booking of the match is just really weird. And I don't like it that much. If, if hypothetically, AEW was going to send Matt Hardy into a hypothetical retirement, I think they would treat it like a really, really, really big deal. I would honestly. think so too. I would think so too. Like it wouldn't be like just like oh they announce it a week before the show. Yeah, like, it, I, I, I does, it doesn't I'm not seem right. It. Yeah, I would, that's the only thing. Like it just it doesn't seem right. So I would I would assume that um, Hardy will go over, which again, it just doesn't really do much for Sammy, especially considering that like Sammy's now slowly been like moving away from the inner circle a little bit, and none of his buddies seem to be helping him out. It's just kind of like a just a really off situation. It just doesn't have a lot of the muster as the other matches on the card. Maybe, we'll, maybe that's maybe that's the misdirection is that you think that they're moving away and then they're going to uh, reinforce their you know relationship by you know incorporating some sort of uh, tomfoolery from the inner circle. Maybe, yeah, it's very possible. But up next, Jericho versus Orange Cassidy in their third matchup, the Mimosa Mayhem match. And I get, and honestly, I, I see, I see Orange Cassidy getting the victory in this one just because it's, it's the rubber match. I think they really want to push Orange Cassidy. Um, but, but well, no, no, I'm gonna go Jericho. I'm gonna go Jericho just because I think. Orange Cassidy got his win over Jericho. He proved his point by beating Chris Jericho. And I think they really want to build Chris Jericho back up to when he eventually challenges for the AEW world title again because they want to keep him as big of a star as possible. You know, what I they've talked about having a vat or a tank of mimosa, you know. But the way I would love this match to take place is that there's the ring, You've got the ramp, which is, you know, one of those ramps like they had the last pay-per-view that literally, like, is uh, level with the ring. And then the entire outside perimeter around the ring is a giant tank of mimosa. 
Uh, like literally encapsulating the entire ring. So kind of like, like kind of like it's an inferno match, but with all of this shit, like the most exactly. Stuff. All right, exactly. But we instead, you know, it's gonna be a dunk tank. Oh yeah, it's, it's gonna be one little like kiddie pool or something. <laughs> it's gonna be one little tank. Man, I think uh, I think it's gonna be epic. <laughs> I think it's gonna be quite entertaining, honestly. Like um, it's, Jericho, Jericho and Orange Cassidy has won me over, honestly. Jericho gave out some figures. He said something like eighty thousand gallons and like or something like that. So we'll see. But um, you know, at this point, I, I've really enjoyed the Orange Cassidy Jericho feud. Orange Cassidy beat Jericho clean. Jericho beat him clean. They're one and one. It really doesn't matter. I'm assuming at this point that um, I mean, I think Orange Cassidy is gonna win because. Someone has to go in that tank, and it makes all the sense in the world for it yeah. to be Jericho. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I, I've and, been back and forth with this one a bit. And and with, with Jericho going into the tank, it's a protected loss. So it's like, yeah, he beat him twice, but like he never beat him with a finisher. It was a roll-up the first time. The second time, it's going to be a tank. He's still going to be pretty protected. And that kind of ensures the bookings to where it's like, if Jericho was winning, then the natural progression for him is like, well, why isn't he challenging for the title again? What's yeah. next? But if he loses, he's so great, he can easily get his heat back, and it elevates Orange Cassidy. Uh, I don't want to say it's 50-50 booking, but it brings them to a more level playing field in the terms of the singles division of new, of uh, AEW. So I think Orange Cassidy is going to win. They could always have Jericho win. Uh, they could always have Jericho go over clean. You know, he puts him in the walls, taps him out, and then there's some post-match shenanigans, and Jericho still takes the dunk at at the end of it all. Jericho's the one who's going in the vat, no matter what what oh, yeah. the what happens. But um, I'm gonna go Orange Cassidy just because I think it's such a protected loss. Like no one's gonna hold it against Jericho if he gets dumped in some mimosa. Sure. Yeah. Nope, you there, Floyd? Yep, I think right. it's uh, I think it's Jericho all the way. I think this is gonna catapult him back into the title picture. I think he's gonna win with some kind of shenanigans win, so it keeps or it still elevates Orange Cassidy. He couldn't beat him as clean or on that level that he needed to beat him, so it still makes Orange Cassidy look good, and it just really makes Jericho kind of look desperate. But he still wins, and then that's how he gets back in the title picture. All right. Then the AEW Women's Championship match between uh, Hikaru Shida and the NWA Women's Champion Thunder Rosa. And if they're going to go down the route and sign Thunder Rosa, um, do you think she becomes double champion in this one? Because I think I think Shida wins, but do you see the possibility of Thunder Rosa becoming the double champion if she's going to be signing with AEW? I think there's a possibility Thunder Rosa does win. Um, one of you, I'm not sure if it was Floyd or Austin last week, said that it would be, you know, it's like one of those things where it's like no one's expecting Thunder Rosa to win, so you can really shake things up by having her win. And uh, I thought that was a great point, and I kind of see the the sense there. But, you know, this is a company where title reigns are supposed to really matter. And if you think about it, they've kind of hot-shotted the uh, – women's championship just a little bit like has Karshita even had a successful title defense since she won the belt from Nyla Rose yeah Penelope Ford 
Okay, yeah, so she had the one. That doesn't seem like when you compare it to, say, like Mox's reign or like Kenny and, and uh, Hangman's, it's not really comparable. Um, I think they're playing with fire if they decide to, uh, you know, kind of treat the women's title that way. Maybe other people don't see it that way. Maybe they, they I think it's like a short term gain. I think you can easily sign Thunder Rosa and still have her lose and still look make book her to look really strong. I think they need to stick with Sheeta. Like she hasn't really like proven or given everything she can as a champion just yet. Yeah, uh, that w- would make sense. I the reason I picked Thunder Rosa is simple: uh, is they need something for Dynamite. So you have Thunder Rosa upset Sheeta. You build up Sheeta's, you know, disappointed. You build up Sheeta to getting it back, and you put it on like you know, one of these Dynamites in the lead-up to maybe the next pay-per-view, and Sheeta wins it back on Dynamite on national TV. You get a big women's match, a big men, women's match on the show. So you're saying because they don't have any other viable challengers outside of Nyla Rose, they need to hotshot the title, basically? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I have no problem not, saying not it. Not at all. You know, I'm like, I have no problem saying it. I mean... Week to week, Britt Baker's been the most entertaining thing about the women's division, and she's uh, overshadowed the world, t- uh, the title in a lot of different ways. You want to yeah. put the focus back on the women's title, and the way you put the focus back on it is to do something no one's expecting. The outsider wins the belt; she becomes the double champion, and you know Thunder Rose is like, "Hey, I took your belt," and you know she shows up to different um you know companies holding the AEW belt and you build it on that story and you build to a big rematch where she's just trying to get the belt back yeah. i think i think either or could work out really well and honestly it's just it this this really needs to showcase the AEW women's championship in a better light because i think besides when it was held by nyla and when it was held by riho that title hasn't gotten the chance to shine. As much as I love Sheeta, I think it just it needs a bigger moment to really strike and have the title get used very properly. But after this is the AEW Tag Team Championship match between Kenny Omega and Hangman versus FTR. And with everything that's going on in the Elite, with everything that's going on with Hangman and Kenny Omega, I see FTR very quickly in their first ch- shot at the title very quickly winning the AEW uh, AEW Tag Team Championships, and they will hold them with like an iron grip and not let them go for a, for a good while because uh, this was one of their biggest signings, and I think they are very much going to have FTR rule the tag team division for a very long time. But real quick, your thoughts, and again, very much could steal the entire show. Yeah, I think that they've uh, told a really good story. They've built it for a very long time. We kind of touched on some of those uh, more nuanced points earlier in our uh, Dynamite review. And um, when it comes down to it, I mean, you look at FTR, they've already beaten the majority of the um, top tag teams in AEW at this point. And um, even just last week, they won the gauntlet. So they're more than deserving of the title shots. Um, this match is going to be most likely just if I had to like, if I was a Batman, I'd probably bet that this is going to be the match of the night, probably a match of the year contender. And that's 
really saying something in a company that already has a tag team match that already is a match that you're contender. They're probably going to have two of those this year. Um, maybe this match doesn't live quite up to those expectations, but I mean, either way, it's going to be a phenomenal match just given the work and the workers that are there and the story that they've told along the way. I am expecting FTR to win just because I don't know how much more story there really is for, for you. If you decide to keep Kenny and hangman together, it seemed like they were going to drop these titles a a while ago. (laughs) And so it's kind of a marvel that they've even held on to them quite as long as they have, just given the fact that they are sort of like a, uh, you know, thrown together tag team, if, if that makes sense. So um, it makes a lot of sense. There's more you can do for business reasons if you have FTR win, because it, it gives compelling stories to both Hangman and Kenny. It also elevates FTR, which is something that everyone's kind of waiting on. And um, it just makes the most sense. So I think this match can be great. And I think we're definitely seeing FTR win the titles. I'd be very shocked if they went an opposite way. I, I actually can't think of a good reason why they should not have them win here. Well, uh, I agree with that. I'm just going to add one more level onto this is that FTR have put a ton of a target on their back and a ton of pressure on themselves. If they don't go out there and have a classic tear down the house match, you know, everything they talked about being the bad, best tag team in the world, everything they talked about about being underutilized in the WWE, all that, you know, kind of falls on itself and becomes just talk. Uh, it's time to step up and perform. Win or lose. they need, I mean, this has to be the home run. This is, uh, they always talk about the art of tag team wrestling. The, here's your chance. You've got, you're in the ring with two of the best wrestlers in the world. What are you going to do with that? So I'm looking forward to that match for that reason. And, you know, we will crown new tag team champions. Fear the revelation. There you go. Uh, One quick question, Uh, Floyd. If this match really underperforms, and we've kind of seen how many great matches Kenny and Hangman have had with so many different performers this year, (laughs) are you willing to concede the point that maybe these boys are a little cooked and you know, are you willing to concede that? So, in the hypothetical unicorn world, where this match doesn't reach up uh, and grab the expectations and make Dave Meltzer orgasm in his uh, <laughs> recliner at his house, yes, if there is a unicorn world where that happens, I would admit that. Okay, well, at least okay. we know that that's the option. There's an option. But... Finally, the main event, MJF versus John Moxley for the AEW World Championship. And I know MJF has been on a tear, but I see Moxley retaining the belt on this one. I don't see any other outcome, honestly, unless if they continue to have Cody come back and win the Casino Battle Royale, which I don't think will happen. The only way I could see MJF winning winning that title is if Cody won the Battle Royale and then MJF won the AEW World Championship under shenanigans or whatever reasoning, but I see John Moxley continuing to win without the paradigm shift and continuing to hold that title for a little bit longer. But your guys' thoughts on this main event? You know, um, I've been predicting since the initial MJF, uh, you know, we deserve better promo that he was winning this title. Um, maybe even before that, maybe even since they 
it sort of kind of became clear that this was the direction they're going. I'm feeling a lot less confident about that given the way they closed this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This most recent dynamite. Um, it doesn't feel. It doesn't feel like a um, a build to a coronation of a new champion necessarily. But um, I'm gonna stick to my original predictions and say MJF is winning this title. And again, I don't feel as confident as I did before. But there's a lot of reasons why. It's like, you know. MJF has been on this quote-unquote undefeated streak the entire time he's been in the company. He's been hot-shotted in almost every scenario um, as far as like the way they've kind of protected him and projected him within the booking and, and everything of that nature. And I don't really know where he goes next if you don't capitalize on everything. It's like they could definitely give his, uh, his first loss to a guy like, uh, you know, Moxley, that sort of makes sense. But I don't know how much business you can build off that. But if they're able to say, like, he's the youngest champion in the history of AEW, we had this, like, young 22-year-old Dynamo, whatever, blah, blah, blah. We, you know, they, they, they need if they're going to, like, do that with him, they need to capitalize on it now. And he's – one thing people really – have said many times like, Oh, he hasn't proven himself enough in the ring, but like he had that match with a uh, jungle boy. He had the match with Cody that people derailed, which actually was really fantastic and great. He's shown that he can do a lot of different things. And I've seen him on the Indies just have blow away matches of all different kinds of styles that people really on, haven't really seen in the mainstream just yet. Uh, he can go blow for blow on the mic with just about anybody I, I don't see any reason why you don't put the belt on this guy. Um, you know, unless you think Moxley is is moving the meter like that, but and maybe he is to a certain extent, but like my feeling is the big stars in the company right now for the fan base are still the elite. And so whoever's holding the, the, the title is almost like someone that they're investing into and someone that they're helping grow and like Mox has already grown to a certain level. He's already had a fantastic title run. I don't know how much longer you could go with it. You know, I, I, I think we'll we'll know more once we see who wins that Casino Battle Royal and, and things of that nature. Uh, on that night, we'll know more. But, um, yeah, I, I think MJF is the next guy. All right, and Floyd, your thoughts? I uh, think Moxley wins. I think the next, I think we're, the next program is we're going back to Moxley and Jericho. Uh, that's, that's what I think we do. Um, Mox has beaten undefeated Jake Hager. He beat undefeated Brody Lee, and now he's going to beat undefeated MJF. And that sets his, is, sets his, um, you know, mm-hmm. reign as one of the better reigns in AEW. So when they eventually build to which, what I think they're building to is Kenny Omega and Moxley. I mean, that's what we'll have set up, you know. So I think it's going to be a long run for Moxley. I think I think this one has some more legs. One, one quick question. So if you think they're going to Jericho next, when you say Jericho next, you probably mean for the next pay-per-view, I'm assuming, right? Correct. So you think whoever's winning this uh, Casino Battle Royale is more of like a dynamite feud to hold in the interim until the next pay-per-view? Yes. Okay. Gotcha. I mean, that, that's that's a possibility. It makes sense. Yeah, right. I, yeah. I, like, 
if if it's not Cody, I think it's Cage. I think they go back to Cage with Mox, but we'll see. All right. Well, that's our preview and our predictions for All Out, and on that'll do it for this episode of All Things Elite. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. I want to thank the young boy Josh Smith from the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style, for joining us once again. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Absolutely. I uh, had a really great time uh, discussing something that I enjoy, but I don't get a lot of chances to uh, talk to other people about just because I spend so much time talking about New Japan Pro Wrestling. And uh, anyone that's listening, if you've never checked out uh, my podcast, we provide some of the best content when it comes to, you know, weekly New Japan, uh, you know, discussion and hot takes and, you know, breakdowns and everything of that nature. We've been going for almost three years now. So, um, you know, please give us a listen. Just check us out. Uh, give us a chance. If you're unfamiliar with uh, New Japan, we're a great resource for, you know, kind of growing your education, that sort of uh, instance. Yeah, so definitely check out Keeping It Strong Style. Their Twitter is K- uh, K-I Strong Style on Twitter. And also, real quick, Josh, shout out to you wearing the Tampa Bay Lightning shirt uh, for destroying those arrogant uh, Boston Bruners in the uh, in the Eastern in the in the in the conference playoffs, and you, um, you're actually blowing up my spot here because I'm not a Lightning fan. <laughs> then why are you wearing the shirt? It, it's just a blue shirt that just happens to be laying around. <laughs> it's laundry day. I'm actually a Red Wings fan, but I have okay, a little Tampa. You know what? All right. <laughs> I was gonna call you out on that, but because you're a Detroit Red Wings fan, I appreciate it. We need people like you right now because we don't have any right now for a good reason. But I appreciate you. I appreciate you so much. (laughs) But again, thank you guys so much for listening. And make sure you're downloading our show on Google and Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. Share us around. We would really appreciate it. If you want to follow us on social media, follow the podcast at AT Elite Pod. Follow Social Suplex at Social Suplex. Myself at SZoomer4. Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter as well. And again, KI Strong Style on Twitter if you want to check out this amazing new japan podcast and if you're really trying to get into new japan i definitely recommend their show they do a good job at explaining it to not only the hardcore fans but also to fans who don't really know uh much about new japan at this point in time but with that being said we have nothing left but for floyd my good friend to take us home tonight floyd take it away hey uh i thank everyone that downloads listens to our show every week uh we appreciate you participating and you being involved in the all things elite um but most i want to just tell everybody make sure you're supporting the product downloading uh i mean going to uh you know uh get buying all out on pay-per-view if you're out of the country going with fight tv this is just important to support the product I, I, I saw the uh numbers today uncontested over 900,000 viewers were the average for the two hours man that is great I'm hoping they can break a million next week but yeah just looking forward to everything we have going forward uh we are almost a year on tv uh, AEW is almost a year on TV. That is crazy to think about. But uh, keep the momentum going. As I all as I always say, remember to stay vigilant. So, <laughs> with that being said, whether it's home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite.